0: And uh, I want to jump in in Mark chapter 4, verse 27 this morning. Uh, So we're reading the words of Jesus here. It says, Jesus also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head than the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. The thing about these stories that Jesus was using is that the people who were hearing these stories, They were totally unaware about what God was about to do in the world. Okay, so if Jesus is talking to them, this means this is before the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. So all this stuff about the kingdom of God, what they understand as the kingdom of God is all the stuff in the Old Testament. That was their Bible, okay? Their Bible didn't have the gospel of Mark because Mark was sitting there like taking notes while Jesus was talking because he was like, I could make a book out of this, right? Um, So Jesus was trying to help them understand what he was talking about when he talked about the kingdom of God. And seeds and sowing seeds is something that these guys would have understood. It was an agricultural society. They would have understood the concept of planting and growing But when Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like a seed in the ground, what he's saying is that the kingdom of God was not starting in a very impressive place. Okay? Jesus had his, his followers. They were in like a couple of villages. And their number did grow while, while Jesus had his time on the earth. But if you're like an organizational leader, if you're a strategic organizational leader, this is not how you would have chosen to start a movement. Okay? Jesus didn't come in and start a mega church. He didn't have a social media campaign. There was nothing he had except for the small seed of what God had called him to do. And so what he says is that the kingdom of God is like scattering seed on the ground, and night or day, the person who scattered those seeds understands that whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed is working under the surface. There's something happening under the surface that he can't make happen. See, the thing is, it's not his job to make the seed grow. It's his job to plant the seed. Now, it may come as a shock to you that I'm not a farmer. Um, I haven't spent any time in farming. A few years ago, I went to the Ferme de Galley to, you know, you can like pick your own fruits and vegetables. It's really cool. And uh, we were walking, I was walking with a friend through the corn fields, the corn rows. Um, And I was like, I could totally see myself farming. Like, you know, it just seems like maybe I'll buy some goats when I move back to the US. And I picked one of the corn stalks off and and I peeled the thing back and it was like covered in bugs. And I screamed at the top of my lungs and threw it all the way across the field. And my friend was like, maybe don't go into agriculture. (laughs) It's not really your speed. So I don't know a lot about planting, I don't know a lot about soil, Um, but I do know that whoever plants the seed, it's not their job to actually make the seed grow, it's their job to plant the seed and do their part in the process. And uh, I wanna tell you today that the results of your obedience to God are not your problem. The results of your obedience to God are not up to you. If God has planted a seed in you and you've been obedient to God, the results of that obedience are not your problem. It's God's problem. Just as that seed goes into the ground and under the dark, nobody can see anything happening to it. But there's something happening under the surface. When we partner with God to plant seeds, we have to trust that God will make those seeds grow and bring them to a harvest. Um, I believe that's that's what I want us to be as a church I believe that's what we're called to be as a church Um, I don't I don't see us being any flashy thing or any mega church big deal but I want us to be a seed that's planted and trust God to make it grow but what God has called this church to be is not something that any of us can accomplish on our own we cannot make this church grow God has to make it grow but we have to plant the seeds that God calls us to plant Um, I love the idea of partnership in the Bible. This, This concept was revolutionary to me when I understood that actually God has called us to partnership for his kingdom. And what I mean by that is that God has a purpose for each one of you to serve in this church and in this community and in the kingdom of God. He doesn't do it all himself, okay? Jesus didn't come down here and lead worship today. I wish he would have, okay? I wish Jesus would join our setup team. I wish he'd go and teach the babies, but... Jesus doesn't show up and do that stuff. He calls us to do it. And we get to partner with God. It's like the coolest thing in the world for God to use you and allow you to partner with him to bring change to your community or change to someone's life. It's a partnership. We respond to what God asks of us, and the church happens. The church happens when all of us are obedient. Um, We're going to do Vision Sunday a little different this year than we did it last year. Uh, Last year, I looked through my presentation from Vision Sunday last year, and the idealism of a six-month pastor, you know, it was like, we're going to have 500 people in our church, and we're going to see 200 people get baptized. And even as I was saying this stuff last year, I was like, is this really what's going to happen this year? Is this really what God wants for us? Um, And so last year was a lot about goal, like numerical goals and that kind of stuff. But this year I want to talk to you a little bit more about my heart for the church and my heart for the church in 2019. Um, so the first thing I want to let you know is that I want this church to be a place where people can explore what faith looks like. Um, I think it's important that we create a space where people feel like they can come even if they're not Christians and they can take their time to make a decision on whether Christianity is right for them. That means if you're here and you're not a Christian we're glad you're here. We're very glad that you're here with us. Um, you don't have to be a Christian to come to church here. And uh, and the reason for that is because I believe that everyone is here for a reason. I believe God is already planting a seed in you and starting a work in you, even if you don't see anything from it now, even if you don't believe me. I think I'm right. Um, and I want to tell you a couple stories to kind of illustrate how that's worked in my life and what uh, a couple of situations that have taught me that. Uh, When I was nine years old, my dad was a pastor at a little country church in Indiana. And uh, when I was growing up, you guys have it so easy because when I was growing up, you went to church Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. And it's not like our two services, like you pick one. No, you go to all of them. You go to church Sunday morning, you go home and take a nap, you come back Sunday night, and then you come in on Wednesday night. And uh, it was a Sunday night and I was on the front row alone because dad had to lead worship and mom had to play piano. And I suddenly, I had this feeling of like, intense joy and freedom. And it was the weirdest thing. And I remember looking down at my feet and going like, what is this like, exhilarating feeling I have right now? This is so amazing. And I got home and write, I wrote in my diary that night. I, I kept a diary for like five days in a row or something. And I wrote in my diary, I felt like I was going to be lifted off of my feet in church tonight. I didn't know what that meant. It was just the feeling I had. But what happened was God, that was the first time God allowed me to experience his presence. It was like the coolest feeling I'd ever had. I didn't know what it was. But God allowed me to experience his presence in that way. Uh, then when I was 10 years old, my family told us we were moving to the big city, to Indianapolis, Indiana, you know. And I don't know if any of you have ever moved anywhere um, far away from home, but this was like two hours by car, and I was devastated. Um, I had all these friends at school, and, um, and I, was, I was so sad to leave, and I was just really torn up about it. And I remember laying on the floor in my bedroom, in North Manchester, which is where we moved from. And I was reading my Bible and I came across Romans chapter eight, verse 28, which says, I will work all things together for the good of those who love me and who are called according to my purpose. And I read that and it's like, it's like a light bulb went off in my heart. and, And I just, I felt like God was saying to me, you know what, I'm gonna work this out for your good. You can trust me. And that was the first time in my life God spoke to me through scripture. I didn't hear it with my ears, but I felt a revelation in my spirit. It taught me something new about the character of God. And from that point on, I was like, yes, God has a plan for me in this move. And I walked into it uh, kind of at a different place. Now, the thing is, I didn't know to ask God to do those things. I didn't ask God to speak to me because I didn't know he did that. I didn't ask God if I could feel his presence because I didn't know that people could feel God's presence. But God was already working in me. There was a seed hidden somewhere in me, and God was working in me even though I didn't see it happening. And I believe that God is working in you in the same way. See, at that point, at 9 or 10 years old, I didn't have anything to offer god i couldn't run the kids program at church i couldn't tithe i mean my parents did make me tithe but it didn't make much of a dent in the church finances okay <laughs> so i am not i wasn't able to like contribute a lot and make a big difference for god so why would god allow me to feel his presence why would god speak to me when i had nothing to contribute it's because he loves me it's because he loves me and he was starting a work in me even at that point point. and i believe god is starting a work in you I want this church to be a place where people can come and let that work begin in their lives. If you're a skeptic, I get it, because I'm a skeptic. If you doubt, I get it, because I doubt. I know that's not a really like comforting thing to hear your pastor say, but but we all, we all deal with skepticism. We all deal with doubt. We all have that question of, man, what if, what if none of it's real? We all struggle with that. But let me tell you something. I still believe, to the core of my being, In the hope and freedom of jesus christ i will not apologize ever for believing to the core of my being in the hope and the freedom of following jesus christ there's nothing better you can do for your marriage than follow jesus and surrender your life to him there's nothing better you can do for your relationship with your kids for your friendships for the anxiety in your life than surrender your life to jesus christ i believe that with every fiber of my being and I believe that this church needs to be a place where people can discover that. So we want to create that environment as a church. Um, last, year, last year, the word that God gave me for the year was cultivate. And that's, I guess it could sound like a weird thing. But when I was growing up, my home church pastor always encouraged us to pray and ask God to give us a scripture for the coming year. And so um, sometimes I felt like I was just choosing one. But in 2017, I really felt like the word cultivate Came to me. I was reading a book and this word cultivate just, it was like an arrow in my heart. And I was like, no, not cultivate. I was on a plane and I just was like, this cannot be my word for 2018. Like, cultivate is not fun, okay? Cultivating is about preparing the soil, it's about doing a lot of work with no return, basically. And so I was like, no, 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 it can't be cultivate. And I like, kept reading and I like, read my Bible trying to find another word that would spark for me. But uh, cultivate was the word. And I got up here New Year's Eve 2017 because it was a Sunday. And I said, God has, I think God has spoken to me that the word for 2018 will be cultivate. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I wish it was expansion. I wish it was growth. I wish it was like excitement or, you know, money or something like that. But it was cultivate. And I'm like, God, are you serious? Like it's my first year as a pastor. Why can't you give me a, like the fun or something, you know? But, um, but cultivation is about pulling rocks out of the soil and preparing, laying a groundwork for the harvest. Playing, uh, uh, planting, laying a groundwork for the, the season of planting. And it was absolutely a year of cultivation. It was a hard year for us. Um, We were working on building in leadership structures. We were working on um, building in a lot of other structures and and cleaning up some administrative things. It was a hard, hard year. And it was one of those things, it's like you imagine working in the sun all day, clearing rocks out of the fields, and you come inside at night and you're sweating and sunburned, and someone's like, man, what have you been doing? You're like, I've been working like a dog out in the field. And they look out and they're like, Well, what did you do? It looks exactly the same as it looked before. I don't see any difference, you know? And you're like, uh, just trust me, I worked really hard. That's that's where God had us last year. And I knew that going into it, but I didn't know exactly what it would look like. So as we so as 2018 was ending, I was like, What's the word for 2019, Lord? What's the word? And I'm like hoping for some really exciting word. And I didn't feel like God gave me a word, but I felt like God a scripture in my heart and I didn't put it together until last night while I was deciding to share this with you I didn't put it together until last night um, the relationship that this year's verse has with the idea of cultivation from last year but I want to share with you um, Isaiah chapter 55 verses 10 and 11 these are the verses I believe God has given me for this year Says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it, that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, <laughs> so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. I, I read that verse again, and I was like, what? What? What are you doing, God? Are you kidding me? The word for last year was cultivate, which means a lot of work with no return. And for this year, as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish... So that yields seed for the sower. Seed for the sower means the multiplication of the harvest. It means when you get the harvest in, you take the seed and it expands the harvest out even further. And bread for the eater. Bread for the eater is nourishment and life that goes forth from the harvest. Man, I read that and I was like, God, you are just too crazy for words sometimes. You know, I'm like sitting on my couch crying. Because this to me is the fulfillment of a promise from God. This is the fulfillment of a promise from God. The season that God has you in, I want you to know that he's watering you and nourishing you with his word and his presence so that you can accomplish what he desires and achieve the purposes he has for you. God does what he says he's going to do. God does what he says he's going to do. We, man, we, we tried our best to be faithful in that year of cultivation last year. We really, we did our best to be faithful. And I believe that God is going to reward our faithfulness because he does what he says he's going to do. I believe that we're going to start seeing budding and flourishing and an expansion of the harvest this year and nourishment brought to our community because God does what he says he's going to do. Uh, In verse 30, we're going to continue on with these parables of Jesus. Again, Jesus said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. So Jesus says, you know, guys, the, the kingdom of God, it's like, well, it's kind of like a mustard seed. You, can't, you can hardly see it. It doesn't count for anything. But when it's planted, it grows, and it becomes big enough that birds can nest in it. The kingdom of God is all about God creating something out of nothing. That's what the kingdom of God is about. He creates something out of nothing. He's the creator of the universe. He took nothing and created something and brought life. He brings something out of nothing. So I have really good news for you. If you feel like your life counts for nothing, if you feel like you have nothing to offer, God wants to make something out of your life. God wants to make something out of your life. The less you feel like you have to offer, the more God has to work with because it brings him glory when he makes something out of nothing it brings God glory and we get to participate in that I don't know about you guys but I would like for my life to count for something this is what kind of keeps us awake at night isn't it what does my life count for what's the purpose of my life what difference am I making in this world my time in Paris what's the point of me being here maybe it's a mistake that I came to Paris I'm only here for two years what's the point why did God bring me here this is the this is the kind of question that kind of gnaws at us, um, and I've I've thought about this question for a long time, as I'm sure many of you have. Uh, I grew up in I, I was I always went to church, and when I was in high school, uh, I was in like late 90s, early 2000s American youth group culture which was super obnoxious, okay? There were like certain things that, that were kind of uh, thematic to that time. But one thing that kept coming up over and over is the concept of asking God to use me. And I would ask God, to be like, use me, Lord, just use my life, use my life. And we would all teenagers be up at the altar being like, use me, Lord. And God's like, graduate high school and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> but, uh, but I had this deep desire for God to make something out of my life. And, uh, and I've looked through journals of that time in my early 20s, and I would just be like, God, why won't you use me? Why won't you make anything of my life? I really, I really wanted God to do this in my life, and I've learned two things through the process of praying that prayer for so long. The first thing I've learned is that God's love for me is not conditional on my achievement. God's love for me is not conditional on how much I do for him. If I decide to just sit in my apartment and watch Netflix and eat Pringles all day long and not contribute anything to the kingdom, it doesn't change God's love for me. That can sound scandalous, but there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. God doesn't love you more if you you know, work in the nursery. Actually, I'm questioning that. I love you more (laughs) if you work in the nursery. There's nothing you can do or achieve to earn God's love for you. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. God's love for you is unconditional and unfailing. So, through this, I learned that hey, it's not my achievements that earn God's love for me, it's a free gift, it's free to me. And the second thing I learned is that if I want God to make something out of my life, I have to be planted. If I want God to make something out of my life, I have to be planted. So, you don't have to be special. You don't have to be the smartest or the prettiest or the person with the best ideas or the wealthiest or the person with the most time to give. You don't have to be the best dad or the best wife or find a spouse at all. You have to be planted. You have to be planted. You have to be part of something bigger than yourself and be willing to give yourself to that thing and come together with other people for God to achieve his purposes in the world. So what does it mean to be planted? Well, I think it breaks down to three things. I think it means listening to what God is saying to you obeying what God is saying to you and trusting God with the outcome, trusting God with the miracle of the harvest. I'm so passionate about the local church. I believe that the local church is God's plan for bringing the kingdom. Uh, here on earth I I believe so strongly in the local church that song that we sing it's one of my favorite songs and it has that double chorus thing you know and it has that line in the second chorus that says I believe in the saints communion and in your holy church and I always cry when we sing that line and sometimes the speaker comes up too early and we don't get to sing that line and I'm just back there so mad because I want to sing that line I believe in the church I believe in the church. I believe in being part of the church, and I believe that we're to be planted as part of the church. And I think it takes an effort of all of us coming together. Nobody's intelligence or personality or anything is enough to carry this church into the purpose God has for it. It's going to be all of us being planted together. Um, And we're watching this happen in a few different ways in the church, and I want to tell you that um, we, we watched our giving go up substantially in 2018. It was like, shockingly good. Um, So, And I asked Jeanette, our administrative director, who is like such a rock star, um, I asked her to break down some numbers for me and she found that in 2017 we had 112 recorded givers. That means people who wrote their name on the offering envelope or did a bank transfer. Um, So that doesn't count people who gave in cash. Um, But in 2017 we had 112 tracked givers. In 2018 we had 126 tracked givers, which is like massively over the ratio for for a congregation, Um, but also we broke our record this year and had the highest giving of all time in the history of the bridge. Um, Yes, (laughs) we can definitely clap for that, but the thing that I love about that is, I mean, it's great to have a high number, right? It's great to be able to say, we had the highest giving year ever, but what I love more than that is we had, it was very dispersed, Everybody participated. Everybody was part of that. It's not one person who gave like 80% of the money and everybody else gave like a few euros. It was a group effort. We worked together in obedience. And God has blessed that obedience. And so I want to tell you that I'm, I'm so excited about what God's doing here at the bridge. And it's evidenced. There's not a lot of things we can count. We can count people and we can count money. Okay? We can't count... What God is doing in your heart, or anything like that, but this is evidence to me that we're moving forward in obedience, and that makes me really happy. Um, so, in 2019, I don't have a I don't have a euros goal. I don't really care how much money comes in. Well, I kind of care. Um, we gotta pay our rent. Um, but my goal for 2019 is that every every person in the bridge would participate in giving. Um, All of us, I believe, are called to participate in this area. Um, So I'm excited because this is is what the church is meant to be. This is what the church is meant to be, is all of us being planted together. Um, So I want to talk just for a few minutes about what my vision is. Uh, When I came on as the lead pastor about a year and a half ago, Everybody, that was the question. What's your vision? We want to know your vision. Tell us your vision. And I came to understand that people wanted like kind of a snappy phrase where either like all the words rhymed or they started with the same letter kind of thing. You know, the snappy, punchy thing or something really crazy like we're going to be a church of 2,000 people next year and have planned a church in the Eiffel Tower. Um, people wanted something snappy and punchy. And uh, I don't have anything snappy and punchy, to be honest with you. Like my vision for the church is that people will find Jesus here. Um, that's basically my vision <laughs> for the church. Um, but I, there are some things that I pray that we become. And that I pray that we are in the culture of, these, of this church. And I want to share those with you. The first one I shared earlier, I want this to be a church where people are safe to explore their faith and make a decision. Um, The next one is I pray that we will be a life giving church. I want people to leave here feeling more alive than they did when they came in. I don't want to be a boring church because a boring church doesn't make me feel more alive when I left. As when I came in, I want it to be a life-giving church. I want people to feel alive when they leave this place. Um, I'm a I'm a big fan of the resurrection. I'm super passionate about the resurrection. I whenever I whenever I bring the resurrection to a sermon, you can bet your bottom dollar that I was crying on my couch Saturday night rehearsing the sermon, because the resurrection is. Everything and I don't believe that I don't believe that we have to wait for the resurrection to be resurrected I believe that God wants to bring dead things to life in this church. I want to see resurrection happen in this church I want to see dead marriages resurrected. I want to see broken relationships resurrected. I want to see people's finances resurrected I want to see resurrection happen in this church. I want this church to be a life-giving church Man this city is This city can feel so oppressive. There's death There's death in this city. I want this church to be like a defibrillator on the spirit of this city, that everywhere we go, will bring life wherever we go. I want us to be a life-giving church. We have to be planted together and trust God for the miracle of the harvest to be a life-giving church. I want to be a church that brings hope and healing into our community. Each one of us who are followers of Jesus, we are carriers of God's presence. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in you to release hope and healing to the people around you. By your very presence, you should be oozing the hope and healing of Christ. I want us to be agents of hope and healing in our city. Um, I pray that we can be an oasis from loneliness in our city. Man, the loneliness is pervasive here, guys. It doesn't matter if you're single or you're married with like 20 kids, everybody here is lonely, okay? Everybody here. If you have 20 kids, you probably wish you were more lonely. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna leave that where it lays. Um, I, it, it's a very lonely city and I think we have to be intentional about combating this. Um, we want to make a concentrated effort in 2019 to make small groups happen. So uh, we we face a lot of challenges with small groups, you know. A lot of these churches who teach us how to do small groups, they're in, like, Alabama. And they're like, yeah, small groups work great. At 5 p.m., everybody comes over to our house. And the kids go play in the massive garden. And we, you know... Like, it's not, it's not real for our lives here. We're, we're busy. We have a lot of barriers um, to building community. But we've got to build community with each other. We've got to build friendships with each other. So we're going to push our small group launch date back to February. Normally, we launch in January. We're going to push back to the end of February. Uh, We believe that God is calling some of you to lead a small group or a dinner group. Um, Here, we offer small groups, which are weekly groups, discussion-based or outing-based, and then also dinner groups, which are basically just based on relationship, just getting together with people and having dinner. Um, So we know that God is calling some of you to lead a small group or a dinner group. Um, We're going to train you. We're not going to just be like, good luck, finding your way. We're going to train you. Um, But we believe that God is calling you to do some of that. And... um, my small I lead a weekly small group over lunch and everybody has to eat lunch. So Chris comes to my small group and um, yibunge comes to my small group and we eat Chipotle every Tuesday. Um, so I'm looking forward to launching that small group again in February. But, but leading a small group doesn't have to be something that adds a burden to your life. It's supposed to be something that creates community. So we want to see that happen. Um, and I want to tell you that what I've encountered here is every time I talk to someone about leading something, always they're like, oh, I'm not qualified to do that. I don't think I'm spiritually qualified. And I always want to be like, have you met your pastor? Because really, if we're talking about qualifications here, like, let's back the story up. Um, I, it's not really about qualifications. It's about obedience. If God is calling you to do it, we're going to resource you, and God is going to equip you as well. Um, we don't have to be a church of the most qualified people, but I want to be a church of the most willing people. Uh, the last thing that my, my last prayer for this year is I pray that we can empower people to fulfill their calling. I'm not the only person in this church that God has called. God has called each one of us to participate in this community. And each one of us has a part to play in what God is calling this church to be. Um, I, really believe, I, I really believe this. I, I want to empower and equip people to do what God has called them to do, which means that if you come to me and you say, Pastor Kelly, I have a great idea for something the church should be doing. The church should start a flower distribution ministry and give flowers to everyone they see on the street. I'm going to look at you and say, that's a wonderful idea. Why don't you head that up? Or we're not going to do it. That's about where it goes. Because I don't have the capacity to start any more initiatives or ministries or anything like that. It's in your hands. God has called you to do something. And what this church is going to be in the city will depend on what God has called you to do and your willingness to obey and engage in that. Doesn't that sound fun? (laughs) It's super fun, guys. Stepping into obedience and what God has called you to do is the most exhilarating thing you can do. And I want to encourage you to try it. If you know me well, you'll already know this, but if you don't know me well, if you're like, hey, I'm going to lead a small group, and two months later you come to me and say, you know, that's really not for me. I can't do it. You know what I'm going to say? No problem. Let's find you somewhere else where you fit. Or if you say, I want to do bridge kids and you try it for two weeks and you're like, never again. (laughs) And you come to me and you're like, I'm so sorry, Pastor Kelly. I can't do it. I'll be like, that's no problem. Let's find where you fit. We want to help you find where you fit and not put people where they're not called to serve, but everyone is called to contribute in some way. So in 2019, uh, one of the things we're going to start is called Growth Track. This is going to be a course designed to um, train you how to serve at the Bridge. Um, we'll have a, we'll have a segment in there teaching you about who we are as a church. You'll take a spiritual gifts assessment and discover what some of your gifts are, and then uh, there will be a streamlined way to start serving because we don't have that right now, and we feel that it's very important that we provide a place not just to say oh, we want you to serve at the bridge, but to actually equip you to do that and find the team that's right for you. So until that's up and running, which will hopefully be sometime this spring, we have an updated serve team listing here. You can look through here. This lists all of the places that are currently available to serve at the bridge and who the contact person is and what the time commitment is. Okay, there's different time commitments. If you're on the setup team, you have to be here at eight o'clock in the morning. That's rough, but guess what? I've been doing it every week for almost 10 years, and I've survived, so you can survive, too. Um, But some of the teams have more time commitment than others, but there's anything for anybody in here. So take take that, but we're going to start growth track this year. Um, And I'm so proud of some of our volunteer ministry directors. One thing we saw in 2018 was our ministry directors really, really taking ownership of some of our areas. Um, One of those is our friend Joshua, our lead usher down here and the director of our usher team. And he's done, he's taken the ushers team, before Joshua came in, like if you were on the back row, you were an usher. Um, Because I'd be like, every week I saw it, I'd be like, the ushers are preparing to receive our offerings, and someone on the back row would be like, "Uh, hey, okay, can da, 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 okay, you guys come here?" And they're like giving them instructions in the back. <laughs> and uh, Joshua's really transformed that team to understand that it's a calling, it's a calling, and it's a place where people can serve. Um, and then Geraldine, our our uh, crush director, our bridge babies director, she took it from it was like survival before Geraldine came in, okay, and now the kids are they are learning about Jesus in the nursery in a way that's age appropriate that they can understand she's doing a fantastic job she's not in here because she's in the bridge babies and she would probably like for me to tell you that she needs help in the bridge babies isn't that right Samuel Samuel's like, please, help my wife. Um, We've seen Patrick has stepped up a lot in Bridge Kids. Uh, Mariana, our worship director, who's out for a couple months. And then David also, who has stepped up to lead our youth program. One of our goals for 2018 was to start a youth group. And we've seen that happen. And uh, I'm going to cry again. And I wanted to announce to you today that David has agreed to come on to our pastoral team um, permanently here at the Bridge. So very happy about that. Um, and this is, this is a picture of God's faithfulness to us because in, in September, David preached in September, and uh, we had a meeting to talk through his sermon. And at the end, and I had been feeling for a while, I mean, we asked him to be the youth director. He did that, and he's been doing a great job. But I, I really see the hand of God on David's life. I, I believe that he's really called to minister. Sorry, David. There's not much you can do about it. Um, but we had a meeting and um, we talked through his sermon, and at the end of the meeting, I just felt so strongly from the Lord, okay, bring it up. Bring up the pastoral team. And I was like, oh, man, he's not going to like this. So I, I kind of like closed the door to the meeting room, and he was like, oh, am I in trouble? Like, what, What's happening here? And so, I, uh, and so I basically said, I want to talk to you about the potential of you joining the pastoral team um, here at the bridge, becoming part of our speaking team, and also stepping up into lead discipleship. And, uh, and he was like I'm going to need to talk to my wife about this and I was like that's a good sign that's very wise um, but but this is a picture of God's faithfulness to us because I walked out of that meeting into another meeting with Joel and Kristen Temple who told me that they would need to resign um, in January and I was like you know I just talked to David about coming on the pastoral team so you guys can go <laughs> no. um, but but it really was this picture of like before Joel and Kristen even shared with me that they were going to be moving on God, God prepared the way so that we wouldn't have to lose personnel, basically. Um, and so David and Caroline from day one have been, have been an incredible support to our leadership here at the bridge. Um, and, and I would encourage you guys, if you need someone to disciple you, if you need someone to pray for you, David's a great person to do that. Um, I've, I've spent a lot of time with them. I've spent a lot of time in their home and with their kids. And uh, this is a guy you can really trust. You can really trust David. So we're so excited that he's coming on to our pastoral team. Um, I'm excited, guys. I'm excited about what God's going to do in 2019. Um, I'm glad that the year of cultivation is over, but I think it's just getting started. I think the, the flourishing time is just getting started. And so I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. And the ushers are going to um, distribute a couple of things to you. One is, uh, one is a piece of paper that looks like this. And basically, this is a way for you to pray about your part in uh, the bridge in 2019. There's a few different things on here. The point is not to check all of these off. The first one is growing in your faith, inviting a friend, praying, giving, attending a small group, completing the growth track. The challenge is not for you to do all of these things. The challenge is for you to look at this and take this to the Lord in prayer and say, God, what is my part in it this year? What is my part in this? You guys are going to keep these. I'm not taking these back from you. You're going to keep these. So this is just for you to have and pray about what your part is in this. And the second thing you are going to be receiving this morning is a mustard seed. Um, Each one of you will get a mustard seed. Because this is a way for us to remember that our lives are small. And what we bring is small. But when we're planted together, God can make something out of us. God can bring a harvest out of our lives. So I, uh, I, I packed these mustard seeds yesterday. I, you know, bought some and put them in the bags. And every seed has been prayed over. And I took a minute, and I was like, God, what do you want me to pray over these seeds? And I typed out a couple different things and erased them. And what I came to, what I prayed over each one of these seeds, and what I want us to pray together as a church today. I prayed three things. I prayed first of all that God would give us the clarity to hear his voice. That God would give us the courage to obey. And that God would give us the miracle of the harvest. Sometimes hearing God's voice is really hard. And that's why I prayed for God to give you clarity to hear his voice. God is leading you to do something and I want him to make his voice clear to you. And then... I pray that God would give us the courage to obey. Because if this church is going to bud and flourish, it will be the church stepping into the partnership that we've been called to. And we need the courage to obey what God is asking us in that area. And the third thing I'm believing for this year is the miracle of the harvest. We can't make the harvest happen any more than the farmer can make that seed sprout and grow. We have to do our part, what God has asked us to do and to contribute. And we have to release it and trust God for the miracle of the harvest. In your life and in this church. I believe that God wants to bring a harvest in your life. And God wants to bring us together as a church into a massive harvest that we will see change our community and change our city. God has called us here for a reason. God has called you here for a reason. It's not a mistake that you're here. I'm going to pray as we close and I'd like for you to... Just hold that mustard seed in your hands as we pray together. Father, we thank you that you speak to us through your word and through your presence. God, we need the clarity to hear your voice. We need you to make it obvious to us what you're saying. God, we commit ourselves as a church and we say to you, we will do whatever it is that you ask us to do. We will do whatever it is you ask us to do, but you have to speak to us, God. We wanna hear your voice, we wanna know your voice. Give us clarity to hear your voice. And Father, I pray that you would give us the courage to obey you. God, give us the courage to trust that no matter what it is you've called us to do, that you will prepare us for the work that you have for us. Give us the courage to obey you, Father. And God, we pray for the miracle of the harvest. We pray for the miracle of the harvest, God. Let us not waste our time in Paris, but would you use our lives, would you plant us, would you help us to grow roots, and would you use us to bring about a harvest in this city that it would expand the kingdom of God and that it would bring nourishment and life into our city. Father, we trust you for the miracle of the harvest. We commit to you that we will do our part. We will do what you're asking us to do. And we pray that you would do your part, Father. We pray for the miracle of the harvest. We might plant the seeds, we might water the seeds, but it is you who brings the harvest. And we commit that to you. In the name of Jesus, amen.